Hi, this is Jeff, host of the podcast. If you use the Stitcher app for listening to podcasts, you need to listen to this. Unfortunately, the Stitcher app is closing at the end of August, so you'll need to find a new podcast app, either for Android or your iPhone. And when you start using your new podcast listening app, don't forget to subscribe to the Reading and Writing Podcast so you won't miss a single episode. Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm joined on the podcast today by John Gaspard, mystery writer and author of the new book about writing, The Popcorn Principles, A Novelist's Guide to Learning from Movies. I interviewed John previously regarding his Eli Marks mystery series. John, welcome to the podcast. Jeff, it's great to be back. I am truly impressed by your podcast and your work ethic. You have more episodes than just about anybody I know, and they're all fun. (laughs) Thanks a lot for that. What led you to write your new book, The Popcorn Principles, A Novelist's Guide to Learning from Movies? Um, It was, uh, I didn't intend to do it, but I, because of my background, uh, when I'm at writing events, they look at my bio and they say, oh, could you talk about that topic? Because I've written screenplays and produced low-budget movies and sold stuff to TV and have made movies all of my life. So I I understand the process of dramatic writing. Um, And so I was often asked to talk on that topic, and I would take notes on it and go, okay, this crosses over and that crosses over. Um, And in my filmmaking world, I had written a couple books about how to make low-budget movies. And in them, I talked to a lot of filmmakers, big filmmakers like Roger Corman and John Favreau and Steven Soderbergh uh, and other filmmakers who you may not have heard of, but who had a lot of experience making low-budget movies, writing, producing, editing, distributing. Um, and a lot of the stuff they said, I found I was using when writing my novels because I came to novel writing a little bit late. I'd done a lot of screenwriting, but not a lot of novel writing. So I make notes and talk at you know book events about that. And I realized I had uh, more than just a few really good notes that uh, other novelists could use. Now, everything the filmmakers told me doesn't cross over, but I found about 25 pieces of information or, or um, information is the wrong word, ways of looking at things that can be helpful if you're writing a novel. This is not a book for someone who is uh, thinking this is the only book you'd ever need to write a novel. It's a book that you'd use uh, if you want to just go through and improve what you've done either uh, as you're starting out or even a seasoned writer, uh, look at uh, look at the checklist and go, did I do that? Did I do that? And it's all, it's all about taking these ideas from films and saying, what's my version of that? How can I make that work for me? Well, I, I know that you wrote an entire book about it, but can you explain a little bit about how novelists can learn from movies to write a page-turning novel? Sure. Um, One of the things that movies have an advantage they have that we as novelists don't is they have to be uh, 90 minutes to two hours. Uh, Of course, nowadays, everything is longer than two hours, but they have to be very well structured. uh, And everything that uh, that, everything that they put on that spine they've created has to be there for a reason. And it's something we uh, don't quite have to do in novels, but it doesn't hurt if we do. So if you look at the way a screenplay is structured, and, and say, what's my version of that? How are they getting into that scene? How did they get out of that scene? How did they get that information across in a clever way? Or conversely, 
boy, that was clunky in that movie. How can I, um, how can I do something better in my book looking at what they did wrong? What movies have impacted your own fiction writing? Oh, boy, just about, just about anything I've seen uh, that I've liked or disliked, you can look at it and you can learn something from it. And I'm talking old movies. Uh, I'm talking uh, new things. My wife and I were just watching the Apple TV series Severance. And uh, in, I think, episode one or two, the main character is being driven somewhere by a woman and you're not quite sure who it is. And she says something along the lines of, you got to listen to me. I'm your big sister. And I turned to my wife and I said, that's kind of clunky. And she said, yes, it is. Uh, that was exposition that needed to get out. They needed us to know that was his sister. Um, and the only way they could figure out to do it was for her to say, I'm your big sister. Now, look back in your own life. Has anyone you've ever known, relative or friend, ever introduced themselves or said to you, hey, you know what, Jeff? I've known you since high school. Um <clears throat> So that's bad exposition, uh, and and that's something you can learn uh, as opposed to really good exposition. And the example I use a lot, and I probably overuse it, but I just love the movie so much, is the movie Tootsie. And there's a scene early on in the movie Tootsie where Dustin Hoffman, who's an actor who's uh, difficult to work with, has gone has stormed into his agent's office uh, and is demanding to be put up for a part. And it is an argument. It is about two minutes long. It was written by Larry Gelbart and Elaine May and who knows who else worked on it. But in the course of the argument, uh, you laugh quite a bit. You learn about both characters quite a bit. And you learn a lot of plot details you need to know in order for the rest of the movie to work. There's no point in it where you're thinking, oh, they're telling me this because I need to know it. Uh, you are just absorbed in it and, and the information just sinks into your pores that way. Uh, and so just about anything that you watch, a movie, a TV show, uh, even if you're listening to an old radio drama, you can just listen to uh, how did they hide the seams on that? How did they bury the pipe on that? So you weren't aware that something was happening, but that it did happen. Uh, so I, you know, like I say, I, I keep coming back to Tootsie as a great example for exposition. I come back to the movie, The Producers, the original one, because the editor on that, Ralph Rosenblum, really sliced that movie down to to nothing. Uh, so there's no fat on it. Uh, another great example is the movie Harold and Maude that uh, Hal Ashby directed. Uh, Hal Ashby was a former editor. And if you read the script for Harold and Maude, it's quite long and a, a little talky. If you see the movie Harold and Maude, uh, he's limited to all that. And so in each case, you look at it and go, well, what's what's my version of that? How can I use that idea in the story I'm telling? How do you suggest exactly that writers attempt to learn from movies? <clears throat> Is it a matter of breaking a movie down scene by scene to try and learn from it? Uh, you, can, you can certainly do that. I've done that. Um, the That might be a bit more academic than most people want to do. Um, in the book, I've got 25 different ideas of things that I pulled from talking to these filmmakers. Um, those are just a starting point. I think uh, once you've read through it and go, oh, I get where he's coming from, you can look at different movies and, and you just look at them a little differently and you start to, you're looking for the seams. You're looking for how did they cleverly do that? Uh, but it's not enough to just do that. You then have to go, okay, so in my story, how do I do that? Uh, the example I like to use is when I first started novel writing, the first book that I wrote in my Eli Marks series, which is a series about a 
magician who solves crimes. Um, at the end of the first scene, I began to describe how Eli was driving from point A to point B because he's in Minneapolis and he needs to go to an event in St. Paul. And because I live in Minneapolis and St. Paul, I know how to how to make that drive. And I began to describe it. And then I realized I don't need this. And if this were a movie, this would just be a cut. We would cut from him in Minneapolis to him in St. Paul. Uh, there was no real information happening in the drive. There was some color, and I know we want to put color into our writing, but we also want people to turn the pages. And if we're overwhelming them with details, uh, they're going to be less inclined to want to turn those pages. One of the uh, filmmakers I talked to, a pair of filmmakers, a couple guys made a movie called The Last Broadcast, which was a fake documentary. And they talked about what they called the theater of the minimal, which is we don't need to have everything absolutely in front of the audience. We just need the right pieces of either verbal or visual information to convince them that this thing is happening. And I think the same is, can be true in novel writing. You don't need to overwhelm them with detail. You just need to give them the right detail and uh, cut out the shoe leather, as we call it, cut out the stuff that uh, gets you from point A to point B if it doesn't really add anything. And, and once you get into that mindset, I think you can write uh, better and faster and more interesting stories. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at what writing advice from studying movies would you offer for those who may be working on their own stories or novels? Um, <clears throat> there's, a, there's a lot of ideas in the book. One that I think mm -hmm. people don't consider uh, in novel writing as much as they do in filmmaking, and that's the idea of there's no shame in reshooting. Um, a lot of movies, when they get through editing, uh, they'll preview them for some people, and then they'll go, we're missing something, and they'll go back and, and reshoot it uh, in order to get what they needed. I think a lot of times when we finish a book and we show it to our beta readers and they give us notes and all that, there's a hesitancy to go back and do maybe some of the surgery we need to do because, my goodness, it took us so long to get to this point. Um, I'm tired. I'm tired of the book. Um, but if you take a break, which uh, is another one of the principles mentioned in the book, the idea of stopping and taking a break and walking away for a while and come back to it, uh, you get that mindset of, yeah, I can go back and re reshoot. I can go back in and change it. And having done it as a filmmaker, I can tell you it's a whole lot easier to make changes as a novel writer than it was making movies because you just sit down and, you know, uh, cut it out and type in new words and you're, and you're ready to go with filmmaking uh, it it took us a lot more to go back out and, and reshoot things. But every filmmaker I talked to who did that not only saw benefit from it, but some of them even built it into their schedule. Uh, the movie Swingers uh, with John Favreau, uh, the director of that, Doug Lyman, who's gone on to make lots of uh, amazing movies after that. He They had, I believe, 20 days to shoot that movie. And he scheduled 18 days and said, I need two days left over because I'm going to make mistakes and I won't know what they are until I edit. And that's what they did. They shot for 18 days. He edited the movie and went, ah, there's the problem. 
and went back and shot for two more days. And I think if we're more open to doing that when we're writing, to write the story, put it in a drawer, walk away, and come back a little refreshed and really look at it and go, what do I need to do here? Uh, a lot of times you, it might be major surgery, but uh, even the minor stuff can have a huge impact on how your readers react. What novels have you read recently that you enjoyed? Well, let's see. The last one I read, and I'm not going to be able to pull the title because although he's a very good writer, I find his titles um, hard to stay in my head. It's by Anthony Horowitz, who's a, a really good British mystery writer who mm -hmm. wrote all kinds of TV stuff. And he wrote Magpie Murders. And he has a series um, which is <clears throat> a fake autobiography series in which he... Anthony Horowitz, the writer, is paired with a, a semi-disgraced policeman and a police detective, and uh, they get involved in crimes together. Um, and he is he is such a clever writer, uh, and his ability to hide clues and to hide the seams uh, is unparalleled. Uh, I just wish I could remember his titles better, because his titles are always <laughs> a little obscure. Um, so he's he's the most recent guy I've been reading, and I really really enjoy him. Given the 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 book that we're talking about, what movies have you seen recently that you enjoyed? Oh boy, um, well, <clears throat> or TV shows. Yeah, speaking of uh, uh, Anthony Horowitz, he did a series uh, several yeah. years ago, might have been more than fifteen years ago, called Collision, and it was a five part British series, uh, and the. The idea behind it was there's a multi-car collision on the A12 or something uh, outside London. And this this officer is put in charge of figuring out what happened. Why did these eight cars or whatever it is uh, pick this moment to collide? And why were there these fatalities? And why did these people walk away uninjured? And over the course of five episodes, even though you see the collision in episode one, uh, you see different points of view and, and different angles on that collision over the next four episodes. And you also learn the backstories of all those characters. Uh, and because he's Anthony Horowitz, who was really smart and very clever, and he, 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 he fed you the information you needed uh, as you needed it, and he didn't overdo it. Uh, and he did allow you to sometimes step ahead of him sometimes so you could guess where he was headed. Uh, but he was able to in those five episodes, which would be, what, five hours long, uh, create this world of these, you know, dozen characters and what was going on the moments before and the moments after this collision. It was really very clever and, and um, really, really good storytelling. Where can people find you online if they want to learn more about both your novels and your new book, The Popcorn Principles? The best place to go is uh, our main website, Albert's Bridge Books. That's Albert's, with no apostrophe, bridgebooks.com. You can find all the mysteries there. You can find the filmmaking books. You can find Popcorn Principles. It's all in one spot. Well, again, we've been speaking to John Gaspard, mystery writer and author of the new book about writing, the Popcorn Principles, A Novelist's Guide to Learning from Movies. The book is available now, so go buy a copy. And John, thanks for doing this interview. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.